It's time for episode 311 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise the Tech Podcast, where it's time to make the donuts. I am your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet by my good pal and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I said make the donuts, not eat the donuts. Jeez. I just can't help it. It's early. I want to eat the donuts, and I'll let you make them, and I'll eat all of them. Thank you. That sounds like an unfair division of labor. But what is a fair division of labor is that we have two wonderful guests this week, (laughs) and to my left, he is the one and only CEO and lackey of Rogue Amoeba. He's Paul Kafasis. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I'm just being the one and only Paul Kafasis. That's how I'm doing. (laughs) Keep it up. I hope to one day be both a CEO and a lackey at the same time. It's it's a sweet gig. <laughs> uh, and to my left is author of many books, including Take Control of S-I-R-I and <laughs> Mojave. It's and Mc- Catalina. And Don't Catalina. Forget Catalina. <laughs> Shelly McFarland is here. Hello and welcome back. Hello. Glad to be here. All right. Well, I will kick things off today. Obviously, there was a giant Apple event yesterday, and among the biggest things announced were Apple's new iPhones, the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro. So my question for you folks are, are these new iPhones compelling upgrades to you, or does it feel like smartphones in general, or the iPhone in specific, are moving into an area of diminishing returns? Paul, what do you think? Well, I'm, I think you're in the same boat I am. I'm, I've been using the iPhone upgrade program for a couple of years. So it, the answer to your question is it doesn't really matter because it'd be stupid not to get a new phone. <laughs> Uh, but for me personally, but, uh, in general, I think you, you're certainly right that, uh, we're hitting diminishing returns because the big sort of, uh, knockout features have, have been done. You know, phones got video recording phones have gotten really good cameras and they get a little better every year now. And, and something like night mode is, is going to be impressive. But, uh, if you look at the phone we had on the original iPhone versus what we've had for the past five years, there's a huge difference. And if you look year to year, there's not such a big difference. Uh, so I, I think we're definitely at a point where phones are pretty mature and, uh, you know, that's okay. Uh, it's, it, People don't need to buy a new phone every year or even every two years, and then that's I think that should be okay. Uh, when when you posted this question, though, I had a I had a question that maybe we can kick around along with it. Is there a major missing feature anyone can think of? Uh, I couldn't really think of one uh, besides maybe making it foldable or smaller when it's not in use, which is sort of being done by others. So maybe I can tag on to your question there, Dan. Sure. Whoa, yeah. mixing up the <laughs> format here. I don't know how I feel about that, but I do have a donut, so I'm okay. All right. There's only so much you can do with a slab of glass. And so I do think that we're entering that area. Um, however, it is just kind of the way of things across the board. I, I continue to believe that the next wave of, of interaction like it like tim cook seems to think is augmented reality but until then you know uh, if you are on an upgrade program or you are getting a phone every year through some means it can feel like these things aren't big steps but i think of someone like my mom who 
uh, was running an iPhone 6 for a long time and will have the opportunity to upgrade to uh, the 11 the 11 period, not the 11 Pro, and how much of a jump that's going to be. So I think uh, Leo Laporte kind of tagged the iPhone 11 yesterday when we were covering it as the people's phone. And I think that for people who are using the people's phone, um, these upgrades can be still pretty big. And for me, some of these features that are built into this thing are pretty incredible. And so I don't think that we're quite at diminishing returns yet. I'm in a little different situation than you guys in that there are four people in my family and we pass down the iPhones. So for me, as long as iPhone batteries slowly die and aren't super cheap Mm. to repair, there will always be a need to buy new iPhones, Um, just not every year. So I was a little disappointed that the iPhone 11's battery life wasn't drastically more than the XR, but the 11 Pros is four hours longer. So that's going in the right direction. I really want a phone that I never have to worry about running out of batteries, even if I'm using maps all day long. And the XR I have now is getting close to it, but um, there's still a way to go. And if, if you are passing down the phones, especially to kids, durability is a really big deal. And iPhone's really do break pretty easily if you are are a child. (laughs) Just yesterday, just yesterday on the school bus, one of my daughter's friends took his iPhone out of the case to show them what color it was. Ooh, that ties into a later question we have. And the bus jolted the phone flew across the bus and the screen broke. So I I think it's pretty sad, huh? Um, We've got a while to go before making the phones as durable as they really need to be, considering how um, how much you know people have them on them all the time, and not everyone is as careful as a as a grown up might be, or at least some grown ups might be. So, <laughs> I was pretty happy about the durability about them talking about durability because I don't feel like that's really been talked about for a while. Yeah, I think you guys have covered a lot of the bases here. There are a lot of like sort of pedestrian things that you do want to get better, like durability and battery life. Battery right? life, right? Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like things where it's like, oh man, I just really want a car that gets thirty-five miles to gallon, right? Like that's not <laughs> sexy, but it's right. important, right? And I think that that's a testament to how much we use our phones every day. And I think I would actually say, you know, Paul, to your your question about like missing features, I'm not sure I can think of a big missing feature either, but I think that. What's interesting is, in some ways, the phones themselves have surpassed the infrastructure around them. So, for example, I think of things like Apple Pay or using your phone to get on the subway. And it's like, those features are there, but like the problem is building out all the rest of the infrastructure to work with them. So, in some ways, our phones have accelerated faster than the world that we live in. Um, And I think you guys all made great points about the uh, lifetime of phones. Like, not everybody is like those of us who, you know, swap our phones on a regular basis. Like Paul alluded, I'm on the upgrade program, so I get a new phone every year. But like a lot of your average consumers aren't necessarily doing that. And those jumps that they, when they go from like, you know, an iPhone 6 uh, or a phone they've had for three or four years to a brand new phone, I think that is a a huge upgrade for a lot of those people. Um, But year to year, it definitely feels more incremental as it probably should. Uh, So yeah, I think we've reached the point where the, uh, 
the smartphone in general is a much more mature product. It's been around for more than a decade, uh, and the, the returns are diminishing, but there are still returns and there are things to improve. Thanks for all your thoughts on that. Let us go to our second topic, which comes from Paul. Uh, yeah, so I don't know how, how best to phrase this. I, I think I'll go simple. Uh, Apple Arcade was announced. Uh, the pricing was announced yesterday, and they showed some more games. Uh, are you interested? Are you going to sign up? And what do you think about it? So I am surprised at myself because I was watching uh, you know, the keynote live yesterday, and I was actually interested in some of these games. I'm, I'm not a person. I don't keep any games on my phone on my ipad or anything like that um there have been a few that have sort of broken through that uh barrier in the past but they they always end up getting deleted as well and so this apple arcade the the pricing that that great uh five bucks a month pricing uh, combined with a hundred plus games equals something i'm very interested in in uh subscribing to and using it's uh, an opportunity for these different developers to experiment with a little bit more freedom because they're not having to necessarily worry about um uh, the the return on the the development that they're putting into it and i i like all of those things all of those things add up to what looks like some very compelling games. And one thing that I saw yesterday on Twitter is there's been a huge increase of the number of game developers who are uh, joining this platform. And they'll be exclusive to these devices first. And what I also find exciting is that they're going to be available across all of Apple's platforms, pretty much. I mean, you can't play them on the Apple Watch, but other than that, they're going to be available across all of those. So that all uh, has me interested. Sholly, what about you? Well, I agree. I'm not really a big game player myself, but uh, both my kids are. So when we have to buy a game, it's really a big commitment. It costs games cost a lot of money, and then if nobody likes it, you you've kind of you're just out your money. So from that point of view, I like the idea of a subscription based gaming service. Uh, since we're an Apple house, uh, that it would work on the Apple devices is great because our iPads are used as gaming platforms like all the time. YouTube and games is what happens on the iPads. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like that. Um, and I was surprised some of the games they showed, like the Sayonara Wild Hearts. I thought oh, my middle schooler will like that. Um, and the Frogger reboot was cute. I thought that was cute. Uh, but for the high schooler, I was like, hmm, you know, I don't know. He His social circle is very fixated on Steam games. And he does actually, even in our household, occasionally grumble about not having a PC. So I don't know. I, I, I'll be curious to see what he thinks about Apple Arcade, if he thinks it's worth his time. Um but all that said, there's already a lot of subscriptions crowding my budget right now. <laughs> so, you know, $4.99 doesn't seem like that much until you've got, you know, 15 $4.99 subscriptions. So I think it's really smart that they're offering a free trial because otherwise I would not look at it. So I, I think the free trial is a, is a good idea so people can get in there and see if they really want to pay that. 
Is there a lot of subscriptions now? Yeah, that it, and that is an issue. I think I, I did some, you know, just thinking about the math on this. And it's like, you know, if I bought one of these, you know, really well-developed game titles a month, they often run three to five dollars. So you're looking at something like one or two games per month to really just get your your money's worth. Uh, and I think that's that's certainly not out of the question. I think my biggest question for me is attention. Like I, I like playing games on my phone. And, you know, when the when the new hot game comes around that everybody's talking about, whether it's something like, you know, Alto's Adventure when we were all playing that for a while or, you know, I've been playing a lot of the Dr. Mario game that Nintendo put out. You know, that's something that can easily eat up a lot of time for me. But the question is for me, like, do I have the time, the bandwidth in my brain to, like, handle, like, two major games every month? Like, am I going to play two games of Monument Valley level uh, proportions and I just, I'm not sure. There's so many other things, not just the subscription in terms of money, but in terms of time, you know, all the other the TV shows, the podcast, right? Like all these demands on your like, for quote unquote, free time, make me wonder if it's if it's worth that. Um, I will definitely check it out. And like I said, I like playing games and the fact that these are games that seem like the kind of games that I really like getting into that you can sort of sink your teeth into makes it much more appealing to me. But yeah, uh, the certainly the figuring out what I have the time, money, and attention to devote is is making me very cautious about it. So I'll, I'll try out the uh, the free trial and see how it goes. And and if time if past is any indication, I'll just forget to unsubscribe for several months. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie made a good point of, about that free trial. I think that is a, a really good way to to hook people in. Obviously. Uh, I was interested. I there have been rumors that the pricing was going to be five dollars a month, but when I first saw it uh, a few months ago, I said, "Well, I would probably pay five bucks a month for that, so it'll probably be ten bucks a month, and then <laughs> I may or may not bother with it." Uh, I I'm always in favor of owning instead of renting things. Uh, so you know, there's all these subscription services like you were alluding to, and uh, you don't get to own very many things anymore. Uh, but when it comes to games, that hasn't been working very well on the phone. Uh, there haven't been a ton of games that are worth purchasing and you that you just purchase once and you don't have to keep feeding money to uh in-app purchases and and free-to-play games have really sort of swamped the market so i'm most interested in this because maybe i don't know three or four times a year i come across a game that you pay three or five or even ten bucks you play it and you play it for two or three or five hours and then you're done with it and I like that as, you know, it's sort of like reading a book or watching a movie. You you enjoy it, and then you can be done with it uh, instead of these games that are designed to just suck you in and keep you playing and keep you pumping money into them. Uh, so I'm excited to, to have uh, more of a library of those games. So uh, I'm interested to check it out, and, and hopefully we'll see some good games there. All right, that is two topics down, two topics left, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get that server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distribution, resources, and node location. doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode are the folks to go to. They offer the fastest hardware network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help. It is super easy to launch a Linode cloud server, and I can say that because I've done it. Uh, their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore, and it will soon be released in Tokyo. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta, and it includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, Linode's hiring. If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, just go to linode.com careers. 
Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you as a listener of this show. You can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have absolutely nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise and promo code clockwise2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for the support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime has come to an end. Mr. Micah Sargent, what do you have for us? There's a midnight green iPhone, folks. Um, and I can't wait to try it. <laughs> um, but everybody inevitably then says something along the lines of, but you're just going to slap a case on it, so you'll never see the color anyway. And so my question for you is if color is your thing, if you don't just go and say, I want this iPhone size and I don't care what color it comes in, if you actually do pay attention to the color, why do you pay attention to the color if you put a case on it or do you not put a case on your phone? So this is kind of a funny question. I actually am trying to pry the case off of my iPhone right now to see (laughs) what color it is. You're not on a bus, are you? Be careful. I'm not on a bus. It is. I have a black iPhone. I have color is totally inconsequential to me because iPhones are too slippery for me, even though I am a, a careful and, and coordinated person who does not drop my iPhone ever so far. Um, I, I always have a case on it. So I, I don't really care about the color, but you know, a lot of people love color. So, and there are such things as a clear case. And lots of people have those. So um, so I think colors do appeal to a lot of people, but not to me. I, for years, have only had um, the black iPhones. But like Micah, green is my favorite color. So I'm planning <laughs> on ordering a midnight green iPhone Pro because I'm excited about that. Uh, I've also ordered Apple's clear case because they, I figured why not? I usually do use my phone in a case. It's usually just a basic sort of silicone, uh, sleeve thing. Usually I always feel weird putting like a 10 buck case on a like thousand dollar phone. Uh, <laughs> but it helps. But, yeah, but it makes a difference. Uh, every time I take the case off, I'm always like, oh man, this phone is so good looking. It's so nice. All right. I'll put the case <laughs> back on now. Um, so yeah, I'm going the clear case route this time because I'm just intrigued to have a phone that's a different color. Like it never really mattered to me that much. Much, but uh, now that there's a color that I actually want, I guess it does make a difference. So, Dan, I don't know. Did you actually see the green, or are you no, have you no, not seen I, it? Yet? I've only seen the the web. What's on the website? Right. So, so this question was interesting to me because uh, the green, to me, when I saw the photos, at least, just sort of looked like space gray, but not quite mm-hmm. as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, reading about it, people are saying, oh, it looks really good in person, whatever. Uh, personally, I don't care. Uh, my phone immediately goes in a case. I'm looking at it in a case right now. Uh, <laughs> I do know that I have a space gray phone, but, you know, I almost never see it, as as Shali was saying. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's, it's not anything that really matters as a customer. Uh, I have purchased the black or close to black phone for as many years as possible, and that's just been what I've been interested in. But I do think it... Uh, it's interesting how Apple keeps uh, changing the colors. And, and if you said, you know, a couple of years ago, oh, I really like the rose gold phone. Suddenly you can't get that anymore, but they've got a different gold and they've got this green now. And uh, it's it's an interesting way that I think they're trying to make the phone more appealing to people in addition to the various upgrades that we talked about early on. Uh, so I think I think it's interesting, even if most people do wind up putting the phone in a case. So 
With the introduction of this next iPhone, one of the things that they've done is they've changed the way that they make the backplate glass. And so it's not going to be, in theory, as slippery as uh, the current round of iPhones. For the first time in mm-hmm. a long time, I'm going to try going caseless. Oh, I'm, you're a fool. <laughs> I'm, well, see, I would be Daring. a fool. But let me just go ahead and uh, not only check my privilege, but also um, may, what, what is it? Uh, disclose my privilege. If I were to drop and break my phone, I would not have to pay for it. So I, <laughs> I, I might be a fool, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a fool who doesn't have to worry about. The, You're a the fool with somebody else's money. <laughs> there we go. I'm a fool <laughs> with someone else's money. Um, so I don't know. Either that means that now is the time for me to start dropping and breaking phones, or I will continue to be as careful as I am with my device, and I, it won't be an issue, and I'll get to proudly display this green that I. So hard for. <laughs> I, I didn't really fight that hard for it, but I'm very happy about it. So uh, thank you all for your answers on that and for indulging my nonsense. And let's go ahead and move on to our last topic, which comes from Sholly. So my question is not about anything that was announced yesterday. Or I even have, talked about, right? Or even talked about, even mentioned. I had to search the internet to figure out whether they were going to be releasing macOS Catalina next week, like they are going to be releasing iOS 13. So hopefully you guys have been using Catalina, so you have some familiarity with it. But I'm sure you know about features that are coming up uh, that you're looking forward to or aren't looking forward to. And that's what I am curious about. What macOS Catalina feature are you most or least excited about using in its final form when Catalina comes out next month? In a rare move of heresy, I have not installed Catalina on any of my computers. <gasps> I kept hearing very bad things about it from developer friends, so I kind of <laughs> held up. Yes. Uh, so, but I have, I am familiar with the features, and uh, in looking over them, <laughs> the one that stood out to me was the ability to use my Apple Watch to approve more things on my Mac. Mm-hmm. I really like the ability to unlock my Mac with my Apple Watch, and I like being able to use Apple Pay on my Mac with my Apple Watch because I don't have any Macs with fancy Touch ID. Um, but yeah, the ability to just sort of verify my identity using that instead of typing in my password all the time, that is a big time saver, and I'm looking forward to giving that a shot. Well, the, you stole mine, so I actually, I, <laughs> because every, everything you just said is true, you know, I've got a Mac Mini on my desktop that I don't have Touch ID for, so, and I have a really long password because I want it to be secure, so yeah, it'll be nice to be able to use the watch for that, uh, but I did have a backup. Uh, and it's a weird, it's a tiny note that they, they mentioned, but, uh, shared folders in the notes app. If you use notes with anyone else, with your family, anything like that, anytime you make a new note, you need to share it with them. And so I've got, you know, 20 different notes shared with people. Uh, and if I could just have a folder, I would have to share it once and I'd be all set. So I'm excited for, for that to be possible in the future. But I actually like uh, the second half of Shally's question, which was the least favorite or least <laughs> looking forward to feature, which is uh, how many notification uh, permission boxes mm. you're going to have to check. Yeah. Uh, if you have, for people who have used Catalina and if you've used uh, Mojave at all, you've seen some of this. Uh, when something wants to access your microphone, like we're all recording today, uh, if the first time you used it, you had to say, yeah, Yep, you can access my microphone and that permission lasts forever or as long until you revoke it but uh on 10 15 on on catalina it is 
so much worse and everything needs permission and it is exactly the uh mac versus pc ad about vista from whenever that would have been 10 plus years ago uh except now suddenly your mac is going to be asking you for permission to do everything so everybody have fun with that this fall it's an absolute nightmare it makes me mad (laughs) uh and makes me cry and makes me sad and i've taken to just which i hate that i have to do but i've taken to just dragging and dropping many of the apps that i use daily into the privacy setting for uh full folder access or all file access or whatever it is that's in the privacy setting that lets these stinking apps just access the files i'm using for goodness sake um and so i will quit ranting because this is a 30 minute show (laughs) and my choice is sidecar um i find the ability to uh use my ipad with my mac very fascinating and in particular with apps that are specifically made for sidecar so adobe illustrator uh later adobe photoshop some others that will be uh, able to take advantage of the apple pencil as an actual input device and i have always wanted one of those wacom wacom uh, cintiq tablets because i i was a freelance graphic designer for several years and the ability to use my iPad to do those things is so exciting. And so, yeah, despite all of the other things that are annoying about um, Catalina, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy about Sidecar. Uh, well, it's so interesting. I, I don't find the permissions thing, the privacy stuff that annoying as, as you guys have, because it really is just the first time. But I will say that's why I was late getting on this uh, podcast. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's because I had to give it, per- give Skype permission to everything. Um, but I will, I will reiterate that Sidecar really is amazing. I don't have a lot of work where I would need it, but it's really handy. Like I, I like to watch, you know, school board meetings or different sorts of, or I was watching the, um, the keynote yesterday and I, I love to be able to pull over my picture and picture window onto the iPad and just have it being there like a little TV monitor. And it really does work completely seamlessly. It's great Apple technology. It's awesome. Um, and I also, I really love screen time again, as a parent, I'm sure there are parents out there listening, uh, it's been really, really difficult to deal with trying to control screen time and stuff for kids in the Apple universe. Uh, there's been really no good solutions. And screen time is not perfect, but it is a lot better because now you can track time and app usage and enforce downtime across all devices using the same Apple ID. You can approve purchases really easily on your watch. That is a really big step forward because that is something that people have been struggling with. I get so many questions about that from other people about how to deal with those issues. Um, so that's a really big deal. It makes um, it makes Apple and iPhones more usable for all those people who um, have kids. Well, that is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. And before that, I'd like to tell you about our other sponsor this week. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 a month. No gimmicks, no add-ons. Years ago, I lost some really crucial files in a day disaster, including um, some stuff for a book I was working on. Gone. Uh, Perhaps if I had had Backblaze at that time, I would have been able to just go up to the cloud, sink it back down, and keep going like nothing had happened. Sadly, I had to recreate 
all of it from memory. So that was a bit of a bummer. But the good news is Backblaze is here. It backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, world building, wikis, everything that's important to you. They've backed up 750 petabytes and counting. That's the equivalent of 750 million gigabytes. These guys know their stuff. And if you did have a data disaster, Backblaze can ship you a hard drive with all of your data on it. Once you've restored your precious documents, you can send the hard drive back for a full refund. So, back up your stuff, friends. Go to backblaze.com slash clockwise for your fully featured 15-day free trial and to let them know you heard about them on Clockwise. That's backblaze.com slash clockwise. Do it today. Thank you to Backblaze for saving us from countless data disasters and for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic really quick. I mentioned donuts at the top of the show. What's your favorite donut, Paul? Vanilla frosted with rainbow sprinkles. Just a, just a plain old classic donut. Plain glazed Krispy Kreme. Uh, I got to go with a double chocolate. Uh, that's twice Ooh. the chocolate. That's what you <laughs> All right. We have reached the end of the show. Really quick before we go, we want to mention two things to you. First of all, it is the end of membership month here at Relay FM, uh, which means if you are a member of Relay FM, then you can go over to the members only feed and get all sorts of bonus episodes, including a bonus episode of this very show, Clockwise, that we recorded and released earlier this week. And if you're not a member, it's a great time to sign up. There are all sorts of fantastic perks. You can find out how to do it on the website. So just go to relay.fm slash membership. And we'd also like to mention that this September, you can join Relay FM in support of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital uh, in honor of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Worldwide, more than 90% of children with cancer live in low- and middle-income countries, many lacking access to adequate diagnosis and treatment, causing many of them to die before reaching adulthood. So help St. Jude continue to provide care to kids all over the globe by donating today at stjude.org slash clockwise. That's stjude, S-T-J-U-D-E dot org slash clockwise. So thank you so much for that. And all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Paul Kafasis. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And Shelley McFarland, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, as always. And we will be back next week. But until then, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.